Luke 7, 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it. He spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and they gave me no water for my feet. She hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy sins, or thy faith, has saved thee. Go in peace. I know what some of you are probably thinking. This has already been preached this week. No, it's not. No, it's not. There are similarities there. Brother Ethan preached the other night on Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And they were in the house of uh, a man named Simon. Uh, but but they, they, uh, that was in Bethany. Uh, that was Simon the leper. This is Simon the Pharisee. Uh, and this is in Galilee. Uh, two different places, two different women. Uh, Brother Ethan read and preached the other night about, about that Mary uh, that anointed the Lord with the alabaster box of ointment and she did that for His bearing. That's what the Lord said. In other words, in about six days He was going to be crucified. That's why she did what she did. Uh, but this is altogether different. Uh, he lived a long time after this. He wasn't on his way to the cross at this point. He was in the middle of his ministry. And, and, uh, and so this was two different occasions. And they did it for two different reasons. As I said, Brother Ethan preached and Mary did that for his anointing, uh, for his burial. And I, I appreciate that message so much. I've thought about uh, the teaching on the alabaster box. I never really heard that before, but, but it blessed my soul. And I'm not going to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about something else. Uh, I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you love Jesus? That's a simple question. 
And I can't answer that for you, uh, but, but if the answer is yes, uh, let me pose part two to that. Why? Why? Why do you love Him? Uh, you see, I was taught uh, as a child that we should love Him, uh, but, but teaching that we should love Him and then actually loving Him is two distinctly different things. Uh, I was taught uh, from a child to love the Scripture, to love the Lord, to love Jesus, to, uh, to love the church, uh, to, to love all of these things. But, uh, but, but I'll be honest with you, until uh, He was made alive in my soul one night, I had no idea what He was, or who He was, what He was about. I knew, I knew facts about Him, uh, much like you would pick up a history book and read facts. Uh, you see, we're living in a, uh, a culture, and I guess it's always been this way, they, uh, they want to tell you uh, who to love and what to do and things like that. But, uh, but, but if you love the Lord tonight, there has to absolutely be a reason why that you feel like you feel about Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, because, I'll be honest with you, everything in man's nature tonight, uh, apart from the Spirit of God, uh, there is no way we would ever love somebody uh, like that. There is no way everything uh, everything uh, about Him uh, to a lost sinner uh, may actually, uh, uh, especially when you're under conviction and, and you don't understand it, but uh, there comes a time when we're saved uh, that, we, uh, that we really begin to understand. I thought about this woman uh, this week. I thought about it this morning and last night, and, and I thought about I thought about who she was, uh, and it doesn't really say a whole lot about her. I don't know a whole lot of background information about her, uh, but it does say she was a sinner, uh, and it says she was a sinner. And, and uh, she lived in the city, and that's really about all you know. There's speculation that uh, some think it was Mary Magdalene. We really have no uh, no scripture to base that on, so I would think that would be very, uh, very maybe unwise to say that it was her, because I have no idea who it was. But she was a sinner, and she lived in the city, and so she was a sinner, uh, not like the common sinner. Uh, the way I understand it, she was a notable sinner. Uh, she was like Barabbas was uh, when it talked about him being a notable sinner. Uh, she was a notable sinner. Everybody in the city knew who she was. Uh, she had a reputation, uh, probably a harlot, a prostitute. Uh, it doesn't really say, but uh, but uh, but you see, uh, I don't know. Where when she first heard the Lord, I have no idea, but, but earlier on in the seventh chapter, the Bible said that, uh, that John's disciples had sent to Jesus. That I began to ask him, are you really that Messiah that we've been waiting on? Uh, John, they said, John wants to know, uh, do we need to be looking for somebody else? Uh, and he began to say, uh, you go back and you tell John. Uh, he healed people in their midst. Uh, he caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He said, you go back and you go to that prison cell and you tell John the Baptist exactly what you've seen and exactly what you've heard. You tell John that the blind have their sight again, that the deaf hear, that the lame walk. But here's the part that I like. He said, you go tell John that the poor have the gospel preached to them. I don't know where she heard him, but I think probably she was somewhere at 
as one of those poor outcasts that uh, somewhere along the line she, uh, she saw this Jesus of Nazareth uh, and as he began to teach and preach uh, uh, he began to speak sweet words uh, he began to say stuff that uh, she had never heard before he began to, uh, to say that whosoever shall call upon uh, my name my father's name shall be saved uh, she heard him no doubt uh, begin to teach and to preach uh, as she saw him take those sick as she saw him heal the sick as she saw him do things that nobody had ever seen before as she heard him say things that nobody had ever told her before and so something somewhere along the way I truly believe she got saved and said she was a sinner I don't think she is anymore I think she was a sinner that's what it says but the Bible said that there came a day that Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus into his home and she probably thought he's going to be closer to us than I've ever been around him. He's going to be closer. This is my chance. I think she probably had every intention of going in, making a big talk, going in and looking at him and beginning to talk to him. But when she drew near, it says she had an alabaster box of ointment. She went home and got that. It was precious to her. And in the Probably if she was a harlot, the life that she lived, as she was used to having a beautiful hair all pinned up, she was used to taking that ointment and making her smell good so she could go out and commit the lewd sins in her life. But now something had happened to her and she was going to take this ointment as she didn't want to use it for herself anymore. And she thought within herself, I'll take it to him and maybe he can use it. And I don't know what was going through her mind, but I really think uh, she had every intention in just going in and talking to this man. Uh, uh, But as she uh, saw him enter into that Pharisee's house, uh, she went right in behind him. I truly believe that. Uh, She walked right into where he was. uh, And the Bible said he sat down to eat. And in those days, in that culture, uh, they didn't have straight back chairs like you and I have. And their feet wouldn't in front of them uh, on the floor like it is with you and I. But they had almost like this bench here. And if you, if I understand it right, they would they would sort of throw their feet up and sort of recline down and just real laid back and begin to eat. And there was a, a space usually between where that bench was and the wall. And there was a space there so the servant women could come and stand behind the master and just wait for him to get done eating and so that's where she found herself and now she had come down to the place you see my point is tonight uh, she had been saved uh, there was something different about her uh, but she still lacked assurance uh, I'm afraid that uh, that tonight there are people in this house uh, I'm not trying to put a testimony in your mouth uh, I'm not trying to coerce one out of you I'm not trying to say you're saved if you're not uh, but what I am saying tonight if you are lacking assurance, He can give you assurance tonight. And I think that's what her problem was. 
I think she knew something had changed. I think she knew within herself I'm not the same harlot as since I heard him speak. And my life has been different. I don't want to go out and do those same sins. Aren't you glad tonight? And my friend, if you've been saved by grace, He will change your want-tos. Everything about your life will be different than it was before. And so I think that it happened to her. She didn't want to be a harlot. She didn't want to be a sinner. She didn't. I know she had that name, but I think she. I think she knew something. But what in the world should she? You see, I don't want to. We don't want to presume things. But but I don't think she wanted to presume anything. I think she knew something was different inside of her. But when she came into the Pharisee's house and she saw him there, I think she got scared. I think maybe the devil said, you don't need to be here. You don't need to come and confront him. You need to stay away because you are a sinner. You see, Satan tonight does everything in his power. If God has saved your soul, Satan will do everything in his power tonight to quench that down, to try to stamp out the light in your life. And I believe that's what he done. I believe it's what he does tonight. I believe he'll uh, he'll cause you to doubt things. He'll even though you know something's happened to you, he'll cause you to doubt. And I think that's what he did. And I think she went in uh, full of boldness, went in behind him, uh, went into the house at the night tonight as she thought. And then when she got there, she got scared. And she went and found the place just behind him. But as in that day it was a custom. If a Jew entered into your house in that day in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, uh, they didn't have home clouds or Adidas back then. They had sandals uh, and their roads weren't paved. They were dusty. And when you walked, uh, uh, that dust would roll up uh, and cover your feet. And when you went into somebody's house, it was custom uh, and right that they offered you a towel, a piece of linen, a basin full of water, and they'd begin to anoint you, begin to wash you, begin to give you something to get the filth off of you. But Jesus went into this Pharisee's house. You know, this Pharisee probably thought, I'm doing the Lord a favor. I'm going to get him in this place. I'm going to introduce him to some of my Pharisee friends, and it'll be doing Jesus a favor. I think that's probably what he thought. This woman had no such idea. as She just wanted to be where he was. As she just wanted to get close to him. Even if she couldn't say anything like she wanted to. There are times I would love to tell God, but the words will not come. But I trust tonight that God hears the heart of the cries from her heart. And so this woman just went in and she noticed that nobody had brought him a basin of water, that nobody had brought him a piece of linen, that nobody was doing what they should be doing to Jesus of Nazareth. And she's standing there behind him in the servant's place and his feet are all reclined out there and she sees how dirty they are and she thought within herself, I don't have any water and I don't have a towel. But she began to weep and she began 
begin to cry. And she begins, and the Bible says that, that she washed his feet with her tears. I don't know about you, but it would take more than one tear to wash a man's feet. I believe it was just a continual dropping almost like a downpouring of a shower of rain. I believe the tears begin to fall. And I believe they were falling because she realized exactly who he is, exactly what he had done, and she realized I'm not the person that I used to be. And I have this man to thank for it. And see, she had heard him. She was one of those poor that had the gospel preached. And so she didn't know what to do. But she thought within herself, I don't even know if she had any thinking about it. I think it just sort of happened. I think it's sort of like it was last night when the Spirit of God gets stirred up and God's people begin to move and people begin to shout. We don't plan those things out. But it happens when it happens. And I think that's what happened. Those are the best time of services. Uh, those are the best times of my life. Uh, where just a, a sudden eruption of the Holy Ghost of God uh, begins to be poured out upon His children. I think she got filled up. I think she, uh, she saw Him there and she wept. I think she saw Him there. And why did she weep? Uh, because I believe that uh, she loved that man with everything in her. I believe she loved him. I believe she wept. I believe she cried. Because she was in the presence of one so holy and so mighty. It's been taught this week and taught and preached about hellfire and damnation and about how hot that is and about how if you leave this earth lost and unsaved, you will surely lift up your eyes in that awful place of torment. But can I tell you something tonight? You stand before the God. You stand before judgment. You stand before a holy God. He begins to judge you. I believe you'll scream for hell. I believe you'll beg for hell. I believe you'll cry for hell. And because you know you can't stand in the presence of one so holy and not be closed. It'd be impossible. So just being around holiness, she waited. She realized this man. She just, she, she knew something had happened, but she didn't know quite what to make of it. She knew she wasn't who she used to be. But she wept. And the Bible said she then took that ointment and began to rub it on his feet. You know in all the Scripture, uh, there's only two people who have ever, as far as I can remember, you correct me if I'm mistaken, but as far as I can remember, there's only two people in the entire Bible that laid their lips upon Jesus. I'm sure Mary did. It's not recorded. But I'm sure his mama did. But there are two that is recorded. One was Judas. Judas the betrayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the other one was this woman. She's the only one that anywhere in the Bible it is never said that anybody ever bowed down and kissed the feet of Jesus. 
you realize what that is? I get it. I give my wife a hard time because she hates feet. She don't like them that are nasty. And she's not wrong in that. You know how humbling it is to bow down and rub somebody's feet and wash somebody's feet and begin to cry tears as she took down those locks of hair that she had used to make her harlot life with. That hair that her whole life had been her glory covering as she took down the locks of her hair and she didn't have a towel and she began to wipe his feet and the tears would fall and she would wipe and that still wasn't good enough as she wanted to do more and so she bowed down and began to kiss the feet of Jesus. You realize how precious that is? Let me tell you something tonight. You might say, you might say, I'd never do that. I got news for you. I want to be bowed at his feet. I want to see them nail scarred feet in the glory world. I'll bow down and take my place. I'll plant my lips right on them tonight. Because he's worth it. And he's worthy. See, he had done something for her. Simon the Pharisee, when he saw this, he didn't even say it out loud. But he thought that's all it was, was a thought. Uh, this man, if he really was a prophet, he had put a stop to this. He would know that this woman is a sinner. So my friend Simon, she was a sinner. And see, he didn't know. He didn't know, but Jesus did. Jesus did. Uh, Simon just thought that if this man were truly a prophet, he'd know exactly who she was. And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something I want to say to you. I've got something I want to tell you. And he said, what is it? And he said, since the time that I entered in your house, nobody, nobody's come and took care of me. And nobody brought me water to my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears. And nobody's anointed me with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with this precious ointment. He said, uh, he said let me ask you this, Simon. He said, a certain a creditor had two debtors. Uh, one owed 500 pounds and the other one 50 or 50. He said he, they had nothing to pay. I don't know about you tonight, but my friend, the night that God saved me, I had absolutely nothing to pay, and I was in debt. Sin debt. We're all debtors tonight. And you have nothing to offer. You have nothing to pay. You have no way to purchase your freedom out of that debt. But there is one named Jesus who came and He paid that debt. He said a certain man had two debtors and they had neither one of them had anything to pay. But He forgave both of them. He said, which one do you think Simon would love Him the most? And Simon said, I guess the one whom He forgave the most. And he said, you've rightly judged, Simon. He said, this woman, though her sins be many, he said, she's not ceased to kiss my feet and to wash my feet. And, and she's making this ado. He said, her sins, they were many, but they are forgiven. You see, my point is, why do you love Him? Do you love Him? If you don't, then that's another question. But if you do love Him, can I ask you tonight why? There has to be a moment in time that this man done something for you or else you would never have any holy feelings toward Him at all. You can't. 
You can't. And because His nature runs contrary to our nature, everything in the nature of man runs away and hides from God. Like He preached the other night. But see, once He saves you, once He saves you, you can't explain it, but there's a love there, there's a drawing there, there's something in your heart where wherever He is, I want to be too. And so, so she, she done there like the brother preacher and out this woman did what she could. Didn't know what to do. You might not know what to do. You might not know what to say. But her heart was overflowing with joy. And the only thing that could make a heart do that tonight is if God Himself has forgiven you. He said, she loves me because her sins are forgiven. He didn't even say that to her. But I believe when he said that, I believe a well down deep in her soul began to overflow. I believe the tears really begin to fall like rain. He said she loves me because I've forgiven her. She was a sinner, Simon. You're right, but she's not the woman that she used to be. She's a new creature. A lot of people think she wouldn't say to that. I don't, I don't buy that. I think she was saved before she went in the house. I think she went in there because she was saved. I think she went in there because that's where Jesus was. And in her little little way, even though she had no confidence of assurance, she wanted to do something to show Him that she loved Him. And so, she done that. And then the Bible says He looked at her and He tells her, Daughter, Thy sins are forgiven thee. I'm telling you what, as she went out of that house with full assurance, as she went out of that house different than when she came in, as she went out knowing in her heart, my sins are forgiven. He said, Thy faith has made thee whole. Sinner friends tonight, or saved person, do you love Him? If you do, I would inquire, why? Why do you love Jesus of Nazareth? Has He done something for you? You see, that's the only reason you would truly love Him. It's the only reason. I know you were taught to love Him. I know you're expected to love Him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about down deep in the innermost part of your being. How does your heart and soul cry out for that Jesus of Nazareth? Is there something that He's done for you in your life? Can you go back to a place in time that something changed in you like this woman that was a sinner, that was a harlot, but something happened on the street of Galilee and she was no longer what she was. And she loved Him because she knew it was Him that changed her. It was what He said. I said the other night, there ain't very many t- things I've ever preached in my life that, that, that actually serves me. And, and I'm, I don't mean that harshly. I mean that, that most of the time I get stirred by other preachers. What I preached the other night, I'm still thinking, I love Him tonight because I know that voice that's leading me safe to the other side. I love Him. Because He's done a work in me that you couldn't do for me. That no man can do for me. But I realized that I'm not the man that I used to be. And it's all because of Him. 
Because one night as a young boy, I cried out in faith. I cried out in mercy. I cried out to Him. And He heard my prayer. I thought about there was another woman that came to Him one time much much the same way. But she was looking for a physical healing. She was looking for somebody to help her. She had been sick 12 years. I'd been to every doctor and wasn't getting any better. As a matter of fact, the Scripture said she was worse than she was 12 years ago. And she was in desperation. But she heard about Jesus of Nazareth passing by. She had heard that He had healed others. She had heard that He had even healed a leper. She had heard that He had opened the eyes of those that were blind. And so she thought, it's now's my chance. He's never going to be this close to me again. I've got to latch on to Him now. But she wasn't brazen enough to go stand before Him and ask Him. She much like this woman. She slipped in behind. Slipped in the crowd. I believe she was on her hands and knees crawling. But she thought within herself, if I can just get close enough and touch the hem of His garment, if I can grab hold of that man, He can help me. It was testified the other night that when we're saved, I believe it was Philip that said, he said, I just reached out and Jesus reached down and I reached and He reached and there was a moment of contact between my soul and His Spirit. And in that moment of contact, that's all it takes. He's different from that moment on. And so was she. And she was just going to slink away. She got what she come after. And she was just going to slink away as she was healed. As she was changed. As she was saved. But she still was just going to slip away. Till Jesus stopped. And He stopped and He turned around and He said, Who touched Me? And His disciples said, Master, a multitude strong in You. How do You say who touched? It could have been everybody's touching You. But He said, But this touch was different from theirs. This was a touch that virtue went out of me and into somebody. He knew exactly who it was. He knew exactly what had happened. But He wanted her to know. He wanted her to be sure. He wanted... Imagine tonight if she had just slipped away. If God had let her get the healing and then just slip off back home... Think of what the rest of her life would have been. Uh, she would have wondered, I know how Satan operates. She would have wondered the rest of her life. Uh, was that man uh, really Jesus the Messiah? Was that man really, was it all a coincidence? Uh, I'm healed now. But what if that comes back? Uh, what if the issue of blood comes back? Uh, what if I'm sick again? She had no assurance. She had nothing. She would have had nothing. Nothing. No assurance. But God didn't let her go back like that. He stopped. And He turned around. And He said, I want to know who touched me. And the Bible said she looked at Him fearful and trembling, knowing what was done. She knew what had happened to her. But God was not going to let her go home without saying it. And he said, who touched me? And she, then you know what the Bible said? She was not healed. I like that. She was not healed. 
she couldn't say here but he said who touched me and she began to say it was me that I've been seeking and searching for 12 long years and I heard about you and I come behind you and I latched on to you and immediately I was healed from that moment on she had assurance that sickness was never coming back that God had sent it away I'm telling you, sometimes people just lack assurance. You don't, assurance isn't necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for satisfaction. I want you to not only be saved, I want you to be satisfied. There's not a whole lot I'm satisfied with in this life. I'm not satisfied with the way our country's being run. I'm not satisfied with our public school system. I'm not satisfied with the indoctrination. I'm not satisfied while Satan is coming after our children. I am 100% satisfied. What he did for me that night is going to keep every bit of hell away from me. And it's never coming back. He would not let her leave until she made that public. And it wasn't just for His glory, but it did give Him glory. But it was for her benefit that she should know the one you believe in tonight is absolutely certain. That's what Paul said. He said, I know in whom I have believed. I want that for you tonight. You might think, preacher, so we talked about this this week. Something happened, Satan will say that wasn't it. But what wouldn't it? Even he admits something. If something happened, if God has taken you back to the same time and the same place, there's going to come a time if you ever want to get satisfied in God, if you ever want to enjoy what He's given you, I'm telling you there came a place in my life God told me, that's it, you can take it or you can leave it, that's what you got and you're not getting anymore. And I said, Lord, I'll take it. And I said the other night, and it would be controversial, the best time in my life was not the night that I got saved. It was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me or ever will happen to me. But that wasn't the best time of my life because since that time when assurance came, it's been better than it was then. That's me. You're, you may not feel like that, but as for me... It was the best thing that's ever happened or will ever happen to me. It was the first taste of that Spirit. But I'm thankful as I've grown in grace, grown in assurance, have grown in the knowledge of my God is who He says He is, have grown in the knowledge and understanding of the Scripture uh, that since that time, uh, there's been time after time after time, like a mighty rushing wind, peace came on the scene, filled me up, gave my soul sweet peace and sweet assurance. And so that's what this woman needed. She had been saved. Listen, nobody, nobody would go in uh, spilling tears out of their eyes uh, giving everything they had. Brother Ethan preached to you tonight. Those ointments and those alabaster boxes weren't cheap. I'll be honest with you. I stand in doubt of people. I stand in doubt of you. If you're if your whole religious experience 
doesn't cost you anything. I stand in doubt of you. I mean, it ought to cost you something. Sure. Not to get saved. That's true. That's a gift. But serving the Lord will absolutely cost you things. You will have to give things. You have to. And she did. But listen, she was saved, but she needed a sheriff. Nobody would have gave what she gave to him. Nobody would have spilled that ointment. Nobody would have washed his nasty, stinking, humanly speaking, nasty, stinking feet with her tears that took her glory hair and dried them and wept them. Nobody would have done that except he had first sanctified him and saved him. Nobody would do that. She was saved. She needed some assurance. And when, when he looked at Simon and then looked at her and he said, she loves me because... See, she didn't love him to get. You can't love enough to get sins forgiven. She didn't love him because he was going to forgive. She loved him because he had already forgiven her sins. She loved much because she was forgiven much. That's what he's saying. Do you love him? Why do you love him? I love him. Because 2,000 years ago, in a little old garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to his father, and he said, Father, this cup, this cup that you're going to have me to drink, I don't really want to drink it. I, I don't, if there's another way that, that men can be saved, and that I don't have to drink this awful cup, and just let it pass from me. But not my will, but mine be done. And the scripture tells us he took that cup. And the psalmist said he drank it to its bitter dregs. And he drank it all alone. In Gethsemane's garden, nobody stood with him. All alone, he took that cup from the Father. And with every swallow, the bitter pain of sin and, and, and death for my sin flooded his soul. But he drank it and he got to the bottom of where those dregs were and he turned it up and drank the bitter dregs too. That's why I love him. And because with every lash that they opened his back with on the streets of Jerusalem, nailed to a whipping post, and with his back torn open, hanging in long ribbons, but with every lash he had loved, he could have got up off of that pavement and said I've changed my mind Lord Father I'm coming home and these will just have to die lost he would have done that and he would have still been God and still been holy but in order for me to ever be saved he had to endure it he had to hang there he had to they stripped him of his clothes he was naked he was shameful but he endured the shame he despised the shame but he endured the cross he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him what do you think that joy was going back to the father sure but I don't think that was his joy what is his joy what is his joy? You know what Paul said? He told in his epistles, You are my joy. 
What was the joy to the Son of God? Why did He endure the cross? What was the joy that He was looking for? He was going to be a Savior. That's His joy tonight. And Brother Ethan preached about that cliff of the rock. How that, how that He told Moses, Come, there's a place by me in the cliff of a rock. Moses had said, God, I want to see Your glory. If I found favor in Your sight, let me see Your glory. And you know what God said? You can see my goodness. His goodness is His glory. His goodness draws men to repentance. His goodness reached that sinner woman on the streets of Galilee. His goodness, and she had never, never, ever had anybody, especially in the religious crowd. Nobody had ever told her her life could be different. Nobody had ever gave her hope. And nobody had ever said, hey, you, a harlot, hey, you, a sinner woman, you can be saved. Nobody had ever said that till she heard words sweet as a honeycomb dripping out of the Savior's mouth, that Galilean. And she believed Him. And He saved her. And she needed to know that. And she, she thought, I don't have any assurance. You know you can serve God. Even with no assurance she did. Job said, I don't understand it. But God, even if you slay me, I will trust you. But this woman needed assurance. And when he said, Your sins are forgiven, that was everything she needed to hear. That was everything. She had been waiting on. From that moment on, I believe she went out and began to proclaim that this Jesus of Nazareth can forgive sins. This Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of Man and the Son of God, can take your sins away and give you full assurance. I thought about Ruth. I thought about Ruth. How the Bible said she was much the same. She was much the same. How the, the Bible said she, she, and I'm not getting into the whole story, but she was in trouble and they were starving. And she came back with her mother-in-law. She had nothing left. Her husband was dead. Her brother-in-law was dead. Her father-in-law was dead. It was just her and her mother-in-law. And they were in trouble. And they didn't have any food. And Naomi said, Ruth, could go out and try to find you a field. Go out among the reapers and find you a spot. And see if you can get us some food before we die here. And the Bible said she just happened. Well, she didn't happen. God led her there. But the Bible said her hat was to light upon a certain field owned by a man named Boaz. And the Bible said she gleaned in that field. In those days, the law of Moses was written to let the very poorest among you, that when you reap your field, when you harvest your field, to not get in deep into the corners, to round it off and leave those corners for the very poorest of the land, that they might come, that they might glean in the corners and find some substance for their soul. And so she went out among the corners and she began to glean. And she stayed there all day and all night. And the Bible said Boaz came in and he said, Who is this woman? And they said, As she is uh, the son, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Uh, the the, the, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And Boaz knew her because he was a kinsman to Naomi's husband. And Boaz looked 
And he said, you let her glean. He said, you leave her alone. You let her come in. He went to he went to Ruth and he said, You listen, you come in, you stay fast beside my maidens. Wherever they go, you are welcome to come. And she said, Why? Why are you being so good to me? I'm not like these other maidens. I've thought so many times. God, why? Why are you so good to me? I'm not like these other preachers. I'm not. Why are you so good to me? And that's what she couldn't figure out. Why? Why? Why has he been so good to me? But he went out and he told his work hands. He said, you let her alone. He said, let her come. And let her eat. And let her eat beside you. And when you take a water break, and get her a cold drink of water. And he said, you leave some handfuls of purpose for her to pick up. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that God has left me some handfuls of purpose and I'll be gleaning alone about halfway, spiritually starving at times. And I'll come up on a field and my hat was to light up on the fat missionary Baptist church five years ago, four years. And this is a handful of purpose. He's left me. Different times in my life. I mean, when I'm at my worst, when I'm when I've traveled just as far, and I have you ever been there? Have you ever thought within yourself, I need to hear from heaven? It's been days, it's been days since I've heard from God. I've been there. Sometimes it ain't nothing that you've done. Sometimes it is. But in those times, I think He lets us know, hey, my Spirit's not with you in the manner you used to because you've done this. And I'll be honest with you tonight, you can have this one for free. There is a sin to death for God's person, for the saint of God. If He has laid His finger upon the sin in your life and you do not correct that, that is a sin to death. He will take you out of this life. I believe that. But sometimes it's not because you've done anything wrong. Sometimes it's just so, I think, at least for me, so I'll know how much I really need and how good He is and how powerful He is. And so I'll find some handfuls of purpose that He leaves, that He leaves sometimes in the hands of friends. There's been people that's gone on but they've left some handfuls of purpose. I've went behind them in the field. They've done traveled this field. They've done passed into the heavens. But once in a while, my dear sweet granny, the things that she's taught me, sometimes I light up on a handful of purpose that granny left for me. And God lets me find those. But she went back home and her mother-in-law said, how did you do today? And she said, I met a man named Boaz. And the more I was around him, the more I the more I was drawn to him. The more I was around this Boaz, boy, he was good to me. He let me come in and harvest. He fed me and he clothed me. He set me down at a table right beside his maidens. And he fed me from his uh, from his own table. 
I don't know about you tonight, but I've sat at the Master's table. He's been good to me. And the more I'm around Him, the more I love Him, and the more I know about Him, and the more I want to be around Him, and the more I've never found one thing about His character that didn't set my soul on fire. I've never found one thing about His nature that didn't light up my life. I've never found one thing in His words that ever, ever turned me away. I'm telling you tonight, Boaz was good to her. And she said, you know, I'm drawn to this man. I don't know why he likes me, but I'm drawn to him. And you know what Naomi said? She said, you go back to him. You run to him. You go where he's at tonight. And you lay down right there beside of him. And you wait on him. See if he won't redeem you. And she did. She went in and she laid down at his feet. Just like the woman. She didn't bother him. She just laid down right at his feet. And he woke up. And he saw who she was. And he said, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. I don't know about you. I'm glad I've been bought. I've been bought with a price. He paid way too much for me. But I've been bought. Hosea found his wife. She was a harlot. She played the harlot. She ran off. She left him. He found her. God said, Hosea, go and love her. I know she's been wrong. I know she's been unfaithful. But so has Israel been unfaithful to me. And I love them. You love her. And Hosea went. And he bought his wife back at a slave auction. He found her. You know what she probably thought? When she saw Hosea coming, she probably thought, now he's come to laugh at my calamity. As a brother preaching, he's come to laugh at my misfortune. He's come to say you're getting what you deserve. But when the crisis started and the bidding started and nobody had bid on her and all of a sudden she heard that voice that I preached about the other night. Oh, thank God there is a voice. That woman that was a sinner more than anything in this life she needed to hear one thing from God and that was your sins have been forgiven. She needed to hear that. Do you need to hear that tonight? I mean, do you think something's happened? Has there ever been a time? Preacher, you already said, I know that this can help you. Has there ever been a time where he passed by? And he thought, boy, something was different about this time. I went to the altar class. Sister Kathy testified the other night that she thought sometimes it was almost too easy. for The devil wore me out with that. Because I see these other ones crying and weeping and begging and laboring. And I think it wouldn't like that for me. And the devil would get me thinking, especially when I was younger, that you weren't really under conviction because it came too easy for you. Well, my friend Philip says, the secret things belong to God. He likes to quote that scripture. It's true. I don't know a thing about the mind of God. All I know is my heart broke one night. I went to an altar said I got saved the first time, but I didn't. And the reason why I really thought that I did, but nothing happened. So why did I think I did? Because I'd done, I'd done what I was taught to do. I repented. I thought that was it. But as I was leaving that night, there was a sister on the porch talking to her grandson. And if you think God didn't work things out, it just so happened right about the same moment I passed by. If I'd have been five minutes early or five minutes late, I would not have heard it. 
But about the time I passed by, I heard him say he was younger than me. Granny, how will I know when I'm saved? And she said, Ray was his name, and she said, Ray, you'll just know. And she looked right in my eyes and she said, Won't you, Benji? Well, I'll be right there and wait a minute. I don't know what she's talking about. I wouldn't say. I only went to the altar one more time after that. Just one. But I got what it comes to. I got what I was after. But you listen to me. Why was it so important that Jesus stopped that woman? She was not here. He knew if I let her leave, the, the longer she goes without telling it, the more she's going about it till it gets to the point she'll wonder if it was all in her head. She could not be here. I hope you cannot be here tonight. He wanted her to know. We live in a society that says you can't know. You can't know till you get there. I read somewhere the other day, if the church in Rome had taught that you can know you can be saved without the sacraments and the catechisms and all that garbage, that the cardinals wouldn't even have enough money in the coffer to buy any more red hats. And I say that's probably true. And see, they teach you cannot know. You absolutely can. I think God expects you to know. I think He tells you time and time again. John did. That you may know you have eternal life. Do you love the brethren? Do you love the Lord? Do you weep over your sin? And see, you know what assurance is? When you weep over your sin and you love the Lord so much, you're willing to wash His feet. I mean, that is assurance that you've been saved. I can't tell you that. Nobody can. But there are things in your life that can give you assurance. There is a Spirit of God that one time, if it bears witness, God cannot lie. He will not lie. If He's ever one time said you've been born again, you're still born again tonight. You cannot be here. Do you like assurance? She said, she just wept and cried. She needed to hear him say that. There's been times when the devil say that come too easy for you didn't get saved. You didn't weep, you didn't cry, and you didn't you didn't you didn't do like these other sinners. I can't I can't speak for them. I don't know what's going on in their hearts, but I can tell you about mine. It was broken one night. I don't know if I said one word. I'll be honest, I don't even know if I shed a tear, but my heart was broke. And I cried out for mercy. And I found mercy. But I doubted that. Because it just seemed to come too easy. I doubted that. Because it wasn't really like I thought it was going to be. But every time I would ask the Lord, you know what He'd say? Thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Tonight we serve a God who is absolutely master of the universe. He cannot lie. If He tells you, I will not cast you out, He will not cast you out. If He bids you to come, then come. 
He won't lie to you. I've said so many different times growing up watching cartoons and Charlie Brown, Lucy would always pull the football away from Charlie. God's not like that. He wouldn't offer and dangle salvation in front of you and then take it back. He wouldn't tell you you've been saved. He wouldn't give you peace in your heart and then take it away. That's not God. He wants you to know you cannot be His. Your sins have been... I don't know, maybe, maybe nobody's in that condition tonight. I have no idea what's going on in your mind, in your heart. But I know one thing. While God's working here, Satan's working here. I can tell you that from experience. How while God's doing the work here, how while God's telling you it's okay here, Satan's doing his dirtiest deeds there. Why? Because if you've been saved, he cannot touch your soul, but he can stamp out your joy. He'll do, he'll steal your joy in a heartbeat. She needed to hear that. Your sins are forgiven. Simon, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. I love him tonight because I know what I was and I know what I am. And I know what I might not be yet, but I know what I'm going to be. I know when I get to where I'm going. All these sins that hold us back. I've said all week, I wish God would break our chains. I mean, somebody needs to be unbound tonight. He can break those chains of doubt that Satan has you so bound with. And let God have His way and tell Him to break those chains that's keeping you bound. I want you to be satisfied tonight. I want you to rejoice. I want you to take what happened here last night and just about every night this week. It's precious. I want you to enjoy. You can't enjoy it if you're down. You can't enjoy it if you don't know. And there are so many at this church that say, I don't know. Well, something might have happened at Do Ray B. Well, something might have happened at school. Something might have happened at church. Something might have happened in my bedroom. I'm, t- I'm telling you tonight, it either did or it didn't. If you know it did, you cannot be hid. I pray God would give you assurance tonight. Trust it. Maybe it'd do you some good just to tell you, but tell somebody. Call me, text me, or write out a letter, screenshot it, text it to, and maybe it just, maybe just tell it. Feel it up. You'll never enjoy it. Never. Until you have assurance in it. I want you to be satisfied tonight.